Hey everybody, it's VegCast85. VegCast. And I hope you'll join me for a little drive. VegCast. A full menu from first to last. VegCast. Yes, for our 85th edition, VegCast goes on the road for a little drive up to New York City. Uh, Midtown Manhattan, and we're going to be stopping in at the James Beard House for the occasion of the second appearance by Horizons chefs Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby, and reporting from that, as it were, in audio form, getting uh, some samples of uh, what was going on there at this culinary mecca that uh, is now seemingly embracing veganism, at least the Horizons brand of veganism. Then we're also going to go on a flight out to Las Vegas for a trip that was not uh, specifically VegCast-oriented or themed, but uh, being a vegan, you'd encounter certain things and you got to report on them different uh, phenomena of veganism and non-veganism and a vegan phenomenon herself veggie chef myra will be talking to her uh, as representative of las vegas uh, we'll also be hearing a new track from a band called the pleasance uh, that contains one member that you may be familiar with if you've listened to VegCast a few times before and a science fact about whales and toxic metals so all this is coming up in this episode. I invite you to sit back, relax, as we deliver to you this 85th. And, of course, VegCast is brought to you by LightLife, makers of Smart Dogs, Smart Ground, and more. Visit them at LightLife.com. Veggie goodness for you and the planet. And now let's cue up our hard-won sound effects. That is rain on the streets of Midtown Manhattan. It was rainy night in New York, but inside the James Beard House, it was warm and convivial as Rich Landau and Kate Jacoby were invited for a return engagement to cook a meal for the prestigious uh, culinary mecca, the James Beard House. Uh, They had been invited in a precedent-setting event uh, back at the end of last fall, and I was not able to attend that. I was able to get to this one, and so we're going to have a little snapshot of this event. Now, I'm not going to focus too much on my own personal experience of uh, my table and the meal itself, but uh, suffice to say, I was fortunate to be seated next to Rich's parents and got to uh, converse with them about uh, the early years of Rich Landau. And uh, the meal itself, of course, was exquisite. I'm not going to go into a dish-by-dish kind of food journalism-type explication uh, because Michael Dudell already did that and did it uh, perfectly, and I will just link to his blog post uh, at Ecorazi. He's a senior editor at Ecorazi. He was there uh, one table away from me, and uh, he really uh, laid it all out. But let me just say that I did wind up eating beets and uh, ratatouille, two things that I try to avoid uh, at all costs. But in the hands of uh, Mr. Landau, there's just something irresistible. And at the end of it all, had a chance to just step in and see how it was going with Rich. 
So, Rich. Yes. You've just had another <laughs> does. What are you going to do now? I'm going to Disneyland. Really? Disneyland? Yeah. That seems odd. Well, Disney World, sort of like. <laughs> no, we feel great. I mean, it's, it's just an amazing experience. And, you know, we had one experience under our belt, and now this one, everything went so much smoother. And we're just really happy with all the food. Were you happy with it? I was happy with it, but of course I'm an objective uh, journalist, so I can't really opine on it. Uh, That's true, yeah. Yeah, you know, it was just, uh, you know, trying to get this sense of what it's like here in the kitchen afterward. I see people are mocking you behind your back. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah. the prophet is not without honor in his own kitchen. Of course, the Horizon staffers who were there were not literally mocking Rich. They were making rabbit ears and so forth. I should be sure that uh, we don't give the wrong impression there, but I also had a chance to talk to some of the other patrons as uh, people were getting their coats and so forth. And uh, there were some interesting clientele there. Gary Abramowitz, you actually provided the tofu that Rich was using. Fresh tofu ink. Fresh tofu ink. Fresh tofu ink. And you actually were making that out there in Allentown, brought it up here today. Allentown, Pennsylvania. It was delivered to to Philadelphia, and Rich brought it there himself today. That's great. And did, I, I, I guess it's a rhetorical question, but... Did he, did he do you proud? He made us it? proud. Made yeah. us very proud. Always okay. does. If you've ever been in Horizon, you don't even have to ask the question. I think I have been there once or twice. Yes. If, I, if I don't Amazing, amazing preparations with her, uh, too. Okay. Well, we're, we're going to talk to you again on a future VegCast at more, some length. More at length. So you do think that this was a successful evening? Absolutely. All right. Also present for this evening were Joy Pearson and Bart Potenza, the founders and owners of Candle 79 and Candle Cafe, which are to New York City what Horizons is to the world. Well, Philadelphia anyway. I am so impressed that Horizons has been now to the James Beard twice twice and fed people the most gorgeous vegan organic foods and that we're actually it's it's so moving to know that we're actually culinarily now in the big leagues right what an honor and what a fabulous job that they did pretty inspiring very inspiring and hope candle 79 can do this sometime and we also would love to support vegan businesses everywhere right it's impressive i love the fact that kate and rich did this and i i did it for a second time it was quite amazing yeah and we know how hard and challenging it is and that the people were so open to it, who were not necessarily vegans or vegetarians. Yeah. They had a very satisfying experience. I was particularly impressed with the pace of the meal, how it was, I had enough variety you know, to entice me to anticipate the next course. Right. Sometimes vegan food has a reputation of being like sort of at one level, you know, too much grainy, too many nuts or whatever. But right. this had, okay. each dish had a distinctive aspect to it that unfolded into the next dish. And rounded out with beautiful wines and good drinks. I, I enjoyed it all. That's true. Now, let me turn it back to you. You know, a lot of our listenership, we have a worldwide listenership, of course, as a podcast, but we do have a lot of listeners in Philadelphia who might be thinking, hey, maybe I, maybe I should go up check out Candle 79. Right. How, in terms of uh, talking about the pacing, the kinds of things that, that you were looking for in this meal, you, I'm assuming you apply that. Well, Candle 79, own. which is our second restaurant in the last 16 years, 
it's in its seventh year. Our first cafe. Is Candle the, Cafe. It was right, it was yeah. the original one. And uh, we manifested this in a townhouse setting. And it's a fine dining experience. We take it to a whole other level. We have organic wine and beer to ground out. We have organic sake as well. We are definitely dealing with the local farmers, especially this time of year. And as Joy, my partner, pointed out to me many times, I don't always believe it, but about 80% of our customers are not even vegetarians. 80%? Not much less vegans. They just yeah. enjoy the taste of the food and the cuisine. Great. So that's particularly impressive. So we don't care why they come in. But they're bringing their friends, families, and loved ones. I'm happy to say we are feeding a fourth generation of clients at this point. Great. All right. I did have an affirmation book published last year. It was called Look Two Ways on a One-Way Street. Okay. Apropos of like you never know what's coming or going. You That's true. All right. But it were daily words that were posted in the restaurant. You know, to inspire my team. Well, this is an actual book that you had. Because it's an actual I'll, book we'll, published, published by Lantern Books. Oh, we'll, we'll put that in the show notes okay. for the podcast. And I don't know if it's still running, but the my favorite from the book is "Life Can Be a Bowl of Cherries," right? Right. But chances are, you have to bring your own bowl and your own fruit. <laughs> and on that thoughtful note, we head back out onto the rain slicks streets of Midtown Manhattan to go to the airport so we can get on a plane to Vegas, baby! And we will join you there, right on the other side of this musical message. Love a man who's got no soul 
Streets of Darkness by the band The Pleasants, which features Amanda Rogers, somebody that VegCast listeners uh, would likely be familiar with, doing a little bit uh, different sound there for Amanda Rogers, and we will hope to keep up with them and find out uh, what they're doing next. The Pleasants, but right now we're on our trip to Las Vegas. Now, as I said, this was not specifically a VegCast trip to Vegas, but whenever I travel, I do try to look for interesting uh, vegan options for travelers or things that the locals happen to know about. I didn't do so well on the former, as uh, often I'll check out different options or possibilities for vegan eating in airports, and in this case, uh, my planes were scheduled close enough together that I really didn't get a chance to investigate what was going on at the various airports that I had go through. But uh, once in Vegas, I did find a bizarre oddity, which was a sandwich shop right next to my motel, which was not in uh, one of the ritzy portions of Las Vegas uh, that had vegetarian subs, it had uh, veggie turkey, uh, veggie uh, chicken cheese steak, and uh, some other options, uh, an eggplant option, which, as you know, I'm not too fond of. Uh, so that was a surprise. It's called Capriati's. It turns out it's a it's a national chain. I haven't seen it around here, uh, around Philadelphia, but. Apparently they are on the East Coast as well. After I mentioned them in Twitter, they started following me, so I found out about uh, Capriati's. They have a standard on their menu, apparently, uh, these veggie options, which is great. Uh, but I was looking for something specifically Las Vegas-esque and uh, was, again, via Twitter, pointed to Veggie Chef Myra, uh, who works uh, in conjunction with a place called Rainbow's End, and uh, we managed to hook up. I got some food from her. Uh, some of it was her own that uh, she makes, and some of it uh, Rainbow's End uh, makes, and uh, it was fantastic. And uh, so I recommend that if anybody happens to be going to Las Vegas or is already out there. If you're out there, you probably know about it. But uh, we did have a chance to sit down right when she was delivering the food and just uh, get a very brief conversation about vegan eating and cooking in Las Vegas. Okay. Right now we are in the lobby of the Comfort Inn in Las Vegas uh, on Paradise Road and uh, talking with vegan chef Myra. Mm-hmm. Welcome to VegCast. Oh, thank you. And uh, we just I just ordered some food from you. We'll, I'll be uh, talking about that later. But wanted to just have a chance to meet you uh, in this audio format and just uh, 
you have uh, you have a business where you're making vegan food in conjunction with uh, another place, Rainbow Cafe. Is that right? It's Just called Rainbow Sand. Rainbow Sand. Sorry. And uh, what it is is one of the first uh, vegetarian cafes in Las Vegas, like over twenty some years. As a matter of fact, the sign is still looking like fifties kind of vintage. Um, but at one point, Sam wanted to sell the business because the cafe part was not kicking. You know? okay. I don't think they had the right person anyway. To, but what I decided is to bring the Chef Myra show at the cafe for four months. So every Wednesday with the show, I was dishing out food, really inexpensive, three, three uh, entries, excuse me, three um, courses for nine ninety nine. Unbelievable. Wow. All vegan. So people are starting to catch on and said, oh my God, 10 bucks so we can have all this food and then it's vegan and people that were not even vegan, they were still showing up because it's just the flavor. And when you say a show, is it, is it like a cooking demonstration show? Or is Actually, it's online, like it's streaming. club or a chorus line or what, what exactly is? <laughs> it's live stream TV. Okay. So you can go to chefmyra.com, click on show, yeah. and then you can see the three categories, 2009 interviews, 2010 interview, and then out now the cooking show. Right. Because now I transition the show every week I come in with two recipes. So we have fun with my flavor, with the Caribbean and Southwest flavor. Right. And so I give you ideas how to either veganize it or keep it vegan or how to incorporate once a week, whatever you, whatever space you are on. You know? okay. um, so now Rainbow Sand, what we do is that they really want to work together. We still want to work together, but their kitchen is not quite conducive yet. Right. So we're remodeling. So That's we can good. get to a point where we can truly give an experience in the dining room where people can see, have a good meal, hot, not just that type of, you know, cold right, sort sure. of interest, but a little more like food food. Um, so that's where we're in the process of it. In the meantime, I have a bakery where I bake all vegan uh, cakes and wedding cakes and cookies and brownies and all sorts of things like that. Mm -hmm. And I'm pretty much like the only bakery that, that, that is doing that, and I'm glad because um, a lot of a lot of vegan friendly places. Sometimes it's hard for a vegan to really understand where the food is coming from or how it gets prepared, especially if they're truly ethically following the lifestyle, like sure. like they feel in their heart. Yeah. So at least with this, they can get a little more information and uncertainty that their goodies are done properly according to veganism or right. you know ethical things so um so i'm happy to provide that and i'm also providing i'm doing the most crazy cake right now is a is a veggie burger shape okay. that is sugar-free and vegan okay now tell me well, about how, it <laughs> are you that is crazy Sugar-free. Agave or what? Stevia. Oh, stevia. Okay. is not like the cake that you're about to eat. Right. But it's, it's, it's going to be enough for the for the whole purpose of that gift. This is what's to give a person that is diabetic type 1. It just, um, he became vegan a, while, a little while ago. He was a vegetarian and now he's full-blown vegan. And, and, and now that he knows that he can reverse it, you know, eating more vegan food, less processed, so hopefully he can resolve his type 1, but in the meantime, he's having a birthday and the girlfriend is dying uh, to provide something that right. that it looks like a cake, and so right. 
I'm going to deliver at the MGM tomorrow night. Wow. So hopefully, it looks like a burger, like a veggie burger, but it's, I just wanted to make sure it tastes good because the consistency yeah. is just a little different. It's almost like a pound cake. Yeah. Okay. Consistency and the and the, the veggie burger in the middle is like a fudgy brownie cake consistency. Right. Nothing really riced. It's you know. Okay, well that's that's what you're doing. That you bring us right up to the moment. But just give us some sense of what. How did you get into? How did you become Doctor Flavor? How did you? Yes. What? How did you get into vegan cooking in the first place? Because as I was transitioning. Yeah. My business was transitioning. Okay. So, of course, everybody starts somewhere. From a chef point, I start questioning what the food was. How the First of all, I was trying to figure out where did all this food is coming from. That was my first question as a chef because I order one thing and somehow it will appear in the middle of the year when I know for a fact it was not even in season. So, where in the heck are they getting this stuff? Right. So, my mind was starting to question a lot. So... I start with uh, where everybody probably starts, organic free-range thing, right? and then you start questioning, I start questioning why organic and why free-range, and what do you mean free-range, and then what happened in the middle between free-range and after it gets peeled, and, you know, I start thinking, well, this is almost like the front of the house or the back of the house, you know, the yeah. kitchen does not know what the front of the house does, so that's how I start thinking about the slaughterhouse. Right. The farm is one thing, and the slaughterhouse is another thing, and then right. the lies in between, and it's all yeah. right? So I started to be a vegetarian with chicken and fish, right? right? And then we should know that you're making air quotes. Oh there. yes, okay. yes, yes, right. yes, yes. So that means because again, society thought, well, this is the healthy, so I'm following that that information. Then the next thing I know, I'm like, I was still the same thing. I don't care how much vegetables I'm eating. Where is this animal coming from? What was going on? So I start to investigate and start reading. The China studies start doing this, you know, reading right. the regular, and then I said, "Oh my goodness, I, I can't feed people this food." Right. The next thing I know, I transitioned to vegan. Then I said, "Well, I, I just cannot cook meat, and I can purchase meat, and I can do the eggs, and I can do that." I, you know, I, yeah. my choice, my ethical. Choice. Right. So I said, "You know what? The business is vegan too, and okay. whoever does not want to eat my food, that's tough." <laughs> okay. Well, so this is, I mean, for us, this is uh, like the the main uh, vegan oasis in, in Las Vegas. But yes. there are other vegan, I mean, yes. you don't have to name names necessarily, but oh, what, yes. what is it, what is the city like really for, for vegan eating? Is it, is it? It's still a little tough yeah. because um, there is, there is vegan friendly places and yeah. there's a lot of restaurants that I'm very happy that they are. Accommodating. There's a five-star restaurants and a lot of hotels that they truly, truly try. Even buffets are trying to do the the, the vegan friendly thing. Right. So there's an awareness because people are opening businesses. I mean, I'm opening a bistro and I know I'm going to house my restaurant with animal-free kitchen. Mm -hmm. I'll be one of the few restaurants with animal-free kitchen, but right. but. I'm grateful for the, all the kitchens that they're doing it, like I call them, uh, <laughs> you're going to laugh, I call them, uh, it's a by choice, they're by, because they have chicken and they don't, they have animal, they don't have animal. Right. They're okay. both sides. Yeah. <laughs> to me, they're by. <laughs> okay. They play both sides. <laughs> I know, it's kind of crazy. Yeah. It is, it yeah. is, because um, 
and, and I'm grateful because those restaurants are starting to see the value of those people that they're ethically, they're making choices either for animals or planet or health, and they are catering. So Vegas is starting to really reborn and be more consciously aware that they, maybe they don't agree for sales and marketing, but they understanding that the human part, the consumer, is one in it. And that's what I'm proud of. So places like, again, high-end restaurants will accommodate you. Um, gluten-free, too. There's a lot of places that are starting to do a lot of gluten-free. Right. Not necessarily vegan, but they're starting to recognize it. Okay. Um, there's few places here that are more into it, more vegan um, sort of plates. But they still have... Um, animal in the kitchen, but they're starting to divide it. Like they're starting to say, okay, this table is for the vegan and this table is not. Almost like a kosher feeling. Right. So I'm proud to say that when you come to restaurants, make them aware. And I also suggest to have a little business card or something said, I am a vegan, this is how I eat, and please have this stuff available for me next time I come. Mm, that's a good idea. Yes. Like, yeah. Non-creamer, yeah, well, we got pesticides, but at least we got non-creamer for the coffee or the tea. Yeah. So provide non-creamer. I do not want to have um, the yellow, the blue packet. Please have stevia on your repertoire of sugars. And put, put a little checklist on that. Okay. So people, because I think as a manager, as a consumer, I mean, as a uh, business owner, I said, well, you know, there's too many damn people over here asking me for the same thing. I got it. I better provide it. So if you don't find a good place to eat that you're in life, you give them a note. Oh. Oh. Give them a note. Okay. All right. <laughs> That's well, your activism, your culinary activism. Okay. Well, uh, we're out of time now, but thanks for talking with us. Thank you. And uh, good luck with you, everything that you're you're doing out here. Thank Thanks you. for bringing this out. Thank you. Just go to chefmyra.com and hang out with me. Okay. All right. Now, let me stress, uh, when uh, Chef Myra said that this cake she was describing was not like the cake that I had, she had brought me a nice big slice of uh, vegan cake that she had made, and it was uh, it was very rich. It was delicious. Um, I hadn't had it at the time we were recording that, obviously, so I couldn't endorse it at that point, but I can now. Uh, it, uh, it good enough to rival uh, Fran Costigan, and I don't say that lightly. I wouldn't necessarily. Uh, I'd have to have them head to head in order to to judge. But uh, right now we got to get moving back into the regular realm here at Vegcast with our feature known as science. Our science fact for VegCast 85 is toxic metals in whales threat to humans study. Uh, This is from the Associated Press. Uh, We're getting it off of CBC News, Canadian news agency. And the lead is that sperm whales feeding even in the most remote reaches of Earth's oceans have built up high levels of heavy metals according to U.S. scientists who warn the findings threaten human seafood. A report noted high levels of cadmium, aluminum, chromium, lead, silver, mercury, and titanium in tissue samples taken by dart gun from nearly 1,000 whales over five years. From polar areas to equatorial waters, the whales ingested pollutants that may have been produced by humans thousands of miles away, the researchers said. 
Uh, the researchers found mercury as high as 16 parts per million in the whales. Fish high in mercury, such as shark and swordfish, the types health experts warn children and pregnant women to avoid, typically have levels of about one part per million. And uh, they go on, uh, I'm not going to read the whole story, but it extensively quotes Roger Payne of uh, Ocean Alliance, uh, the research and conservation group uh, that distributed the report. And he says you could make a fairly tight argument to say that this is the single greatest health threat that's ever faced the human species. I suspect this will shorten lives if it turns out that this is what's going on. And, of course, the main threat uh, given in the article is to seafood. And, uh, you know, it certainly shortens the lives of those impacted within the ocean by having greater concentrations of toxic metals uh, in their tissues. But even if that seafood doesn't wind up being eaten by humans and thereby continuing to bioaccumulate as it has in these uh, marine animals, it does certainly beg the question of how much uh, these pollutants, these metals that are spreading throughout the oceans, are spreading uh, to us in one form or another through animals that we, most of us, are eating or uh, through water and air uh, contamination. And this is especially uh, relevant, of course, right now as we are still in the midst of vastly polluting uh, one of the world's oceans to the point that uh, it may even be irretrievable. So we don't want to uh, worry too much about that when we, those of us uh, producing and listening to VegCast, can't do anything about it. But uh, we can certainly raise awareness about uh, the fact that there is an amazing, uh, he actually uses the word jaw-dropping, concentration of metals building up in these tissues of these uh, these mammals, uh, whales, which should make us ask the question of uh, how much that's happening to us and what we can do now to stop that. Those are some of the questions, and that is the science fact. Okay, we are wrapping up VegCast 85, but as you know, July 4th is coming up this weekend. And I am not going to be in Philadelphia this weekend, but uh, many other good people are. Uh, Public Eye Artists for Animals, the Peace Advocacy Network, Vegan Drinks Philly, and the Vegan Bus are all going to be having an Interdependence Day block party. Uh, the Vegan Bus, you may remember from last 4th of July, Derek Goodwin came down, didn't have the bus. I hear he has got the bus running now. Hopefully that will be here but uh, there will be all kinds of fun stuff to do and people to see and vegan food to eat and uh, vegan topics to discuss and so forth. Uh, there, the directions of this are a little complicated. It's generally near 2nd and Moyamensing. I would say go to publiceyephilly.org to find out more and uh, drop by this block party if you happen to be in Philadelphia or anywhere around Philadelphia on Interdependence Day. And that does it for VegCast 85. I want to thank VegCast sponsor, Light Life. Light Life makes eating veggie deliciously easy. Join us and be pro-veggie. And, of course, I want to thank Rich and Kate 
for inviting me to be part of their triumphant second appearance at the James Beard House. I want to thank also the Pleasants for uh, giving us that track to play. I want to, of course, thank vegan chef Myra for bringing me that delicious food and talking about food in Vegas. And I want to thank you for listening to VegCast. See you in July. Now get out there and live like you mean it. VegCast.